Hello, and welcome to Glory Be. Interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Father Vince Fernandez, and we're joined by our producer, Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Lyndon Meyer. He is a Tulsa-based conductor, vocal coach, pianist, and organist. He currently serves as organist and director of music for the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa. Since 2014, he has served as chorus master, assistant conductor, principal pianist, and vocal coach for the Tulsa Opera. He holds degrees from the University of Arkansas and the Eastman School of Music. Welcome, Lyndon. We're so excited you are here. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're, uh, uh, of course, we're co-workers because we're all working together here at the Church of St. Mary. But um, so first off, you know, these are definitely unusual times. They're impacting our ministry. Uh, What do you think about this pandemic? Uh, Well, for me personally, it's changed uh, the way my daily life um, happens uh, a lot. I used to run from rehearsal to rehearsal uh, many times throughout the year. Um, and since there haven't been really any public performances, um, my musical life has actually been more restricted to just basically what I do here at the church uh, and preparing for mass on the weekends. Uh, we did recently have a, an opera production that the Tulsa Opera put on at the uh, One Oak Field at the ballpark um, of Rigoletto, uh, which was a really interesting experience, but it felt really good to get back into doing some uh, you know, public performing uh, outside of you know, just what I do at Mass. Um, but certainly since the the whole quarantine started, uh, I kind of, I don't know if Father Vince feels the same way, especially when it very first started. Um, and uh, we didn't, we weren't having public Masses. It felt kind of odd and I felt almost bad because I felt like I was very lucky that I was able to actually go to Mass on the weekends and participate since we still had uh, music for the, for the live streams. Um, so that was a, a privilege, and to be able to do that, and I was very thankful for that. Um, and I'm just glad that, you know, now we have at least some more uh, faithful in the congregation in the church, so that feels really good. You know, I went to the symphony, which was also outside this last weekend, um, and I noticed, I don't know, I was going to ask you about, when the opera performed outside, did you get a bunch of street noise? That I guess you were there in the middle of, you might, could, when we were sitting in the stands, you could hear the cars, you know, going, it didn't seem kind of like the ideal place. Yeah, the, it was certainly not ideal. And obviously when you have sound amplification, uh, they had a pretty good system that overcomes a lot of ambient noise. Um, we still did have, for example, in one quiet moment, uh, a helicopter flew over that was a little distracting. But luckily there weren't very many trains at all, I think, during the performance. That's always kind of the big one is when the train comes through because they come pretty frequently and it's pretty loud when they blow their horn coming through downtown. So, uh, yeah, it was actually pretty successful in that regard. I think, you know, everybody was really wrapped to, to what was going on. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's just a good thing to try to do during a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So, keep you people know, performing. Yeah. So. Okay. So, you know, the podcast is called interesting people and how they pray. Okay. Um, one of the things that I've always been curious about. So, uh, we are friends and co-workers, like I said, and I know that Lyndon was a National Merit Scholar when he was uh, in high school, was preparing for, and so what that says to me is that you had lots of academic choices, and you chose music. Yes. Can you kind of talk about that? You know, what drew you to a career in music? 
Um, you know, it's interesting. If you go back to the Bishop Kelly yearbook in 2004 and look at my picture, I have a quote under there, and it's from uh, Maslow, and it says something like, um, an artist must paint, a writer must write, and a musician must create music if he is truly to be at peace with himself. And I chose that quote because I think at some point uh, during my high school years, I had considered other uh, majors in college. I was really into math and sciences, and uh, you know, I always kind of wanted to do music, and I was, I was on the fence for a long time. But then somehow around junior or senior year of high school, I just had this moment of like, no, I really feel like I have to do music. I feel like this is like what I'm being called to do. And so uh, I went with that, and I, I haven't looked back. I really didn't regret that decision, so I haven't regretted it. So why uh, piano and organ... Well, uh, my mother is a church organist as well, um, so I was always taking piano lessons from a young age. Uh, and then, of course, when I was in high school here, I actually played for the very first kind of youth band, whatever you want to call it, um, that they had on Sunday nights. We played once a month, and I played the piano for that. Um, and that was kind of my first actual experience playing any kind of uh, liturgy or any church service was um, at that point. Um, so I've always, you know, had some sort of life of playing in church on the weekends. Um, and certainly I felt like my talents were more suited at that time to being a solo pianist. Uh, and then when I went to college, I pursued that. But realistically, it's easier to make a, a living and a career uh, as a musician, the more versatile you can be. So I continued to study organ and conducting and voice and um all of those extra skills that benefit uh, a church musician. And uh, ultimately, I've uh, made my home, you know, playing in the, in the church on the weekends, uh, and I really enjoy that, and I'm very fulfilled by that. And uh, it, it's, I also have, I think, the fortunate experience of having played in, uh, you know, a couple other different denominations. I played in an Episcopal church uh, when I was in high school, and in college I played in a Methodist church, um, and then when I was in grad school, I returned to a, um, employment at a Catholic church uh, up in Rochester, which was a really great experience. It was my first time leading a choir, uh, recruiting a choir, um, and I've been really fortunate to have amazing choirs to work with, great groups, um, really uh, faithful, committed volunteers, especially like what we have here at St. Mary's. And right now it's just very heartbreaking that we can't... Uh, be together right now and sing, but we did sing last, uh, um, what day was that, last Friday. Uh, we had a little gathering, and we all got in the, out in the parking lot, and at one point we all went to the church, and we spread out throughout, throughout the whole pews and sang a few of our favorite pieces, and I think that was really, really special, and everybody really enjoyed that. So, so you, you, you do other interesting things. Um, when I was reading a bio, it said that you worked with OK Mozart? I did, yeah. Uh, a couple summers I, I played for them. Uh, it was uh, for their summer production. They did two operas, uh, and that was a lot of fun, especially they have a great orchestra they bring in from New York. Um, but yeah, especially here in, in Tulsa, my, my musical life is pretty diverse. I do a lot of chamber music. I do some vocal coaching. Obviously, the, the work with the opera, which is a, is a big part of that. Um, play with the symphony sometimes. Uh, sometimes I go out and just play cocktail piano for, uh, you know, a, someone's house for a Christmas party, um, which is uh, always a lot of fun. You meet interesting people doing that. So, 
Do you have a favorite thing that you like to do musically? I mean, do you do you love playing the piano or conducting or singing? Oh, I love it all. I mean, I can't. I don't know if I could pick one, but I think for a lot of you know classical musicians, I think they would agree that sort of what always feels like the most special thing is to do chamber music when you get you know five or more people or whatever together, and uh, you know you just everybody has their own ideas, their own musical opinions and you get together and it's like this amazing kind of democracy that has to happen because you all have to like play the same piece of music and somehow come to a, a an understanding sort of in real time about how to render this piece of music um and it really is uh, so much fun and uh something that I, I really love to do probably you know maybe more than anything else is is playing chamber music and so i feel very lucky that i get to do that uh, here in tulsa as, as a lot uh, as well a lot before we transition to the how you pray part of the podcast, I thought something that was uh, that I didn't know that I read about you is that you performed twice at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. Can you talk about that? Uh, yes. Um, that was when I was living in Rochester. Um, the Eastman School um, twice brought down a group of students to perform um, at the uh, Terrace Theater, which is on the top floor of the Kennedy Center. Um, at that time, the Kennedy Center had a special project called the Conservatory Project. So there were a few other conservatories around the nation that were also invited to do these concerts that were uh, live streamed. And yeah, it was, it was really quite a lot of fun to be able to do that um, with some of my friends uh, from Eastman. Uh, yeah. Who did and, you perform for? Not the president, I guess. Uh, no, no, I don't think there was any, uh, you know, dignitaries there. And we weren't, it was at the Kennedy Center. We weren't necessarily in the big, giant 3,000 seat auditorium we were in a smaller theater um but there was always a, a really full house there and i think a lot of people in the area uh, enjoyed coming to hear the you know young talent from the uh various music conservatories around the country so it was a, it was a cool project that they had going on there that's awesome i'm always kind of uh kind of back to like church music i'm always kind of blown away by like what you're able to produce at our, our 10 30 mass you know like it's always like the motets and stuff are always incredible and um, I would, I just want to ask you, like, what is your, what's your process in choosing like the music for a Sunday? Cause it's always like, it fits in with the readings, but the, like some of the pieces I've never heard before. And they're like, there was something like Scottish poem a few weeks ago. You're like, you should read this. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I don't know where, <laughs> like, how do you find all this yeah. kind of really good, but like obscure <laughs> liturgical music? Well, uh, I mean, I think there's kind of two answers to that question. Um, a little bit right now, since we have this sort of smaller ensemble that's singing, um, of uh, and most of these singers are better at sight reading music, so I can spring on them stuff that ne necessarily they haven't done before. Whereas usually, if I'm working with the full choir, all fifty voices, I can only do so much introduction of new music. Usually, we kind of have to just, you know, I occasionally introduce a few every season, but a lot of times we're just going back to the ones that they know and love to sing, and know well, and sing well, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it does uh, limit uh, the repertoire I can choose. So since I've had this smaller ensemble, I've kind of, you know, opened up repertoire um, to, uh, to totally new pieces, just because, you know, to kind of try out and see how they work. And some of them I might keep for the future when we have the whole choir again. Some of them I might, I might discard. I don't know. Um, but also certainly in, you know, 2020... Uh, the the resources that uh, I have at my um, uh, that I have available are certainly a lot uh, more helpful than they were, say, even 
10 years ago. I'm a member of a Facebook group. That's the Roman Catholic Organists Facebook page. Um, and I get a lot of great ideas from that. Um, there's a couple other websites that I, I look to for, uh, that'll have very specific suggestions for certain Sundays. Um, and obviously, you know, I always try to, you know, I always try to go to the lectionary, look at the readings, um, hopefully find something that if I already know of a piece that'll fit that, um, fit that particular Sunday. And usually it's pretty easy to find something. Um, if, you know, rarely do I get some readings where I'm like, wow, I have no idea what to, to pair with this. Um, but yeah, thank you. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that it's appreciated. I, I really enjoy kind of trying to find things that fit as close as possible to the, to the readings because I think there's more and more of a, a, uh, at least in the wider Catholic world, uh, uh, movement towards doing that rather than just picking some random piece for the choir to sing on a Sunday, you know? Right. I mean, so. cause the masses, I mean, it's, it should be like one seamless thing in a sense, right? Like it shouldn't be these like different delineated things of like, okay, the music is doing this over here and then the readings are doing this and then the homilies about this, you know, like it should be like, it's one movement towards God. So I, I really appreciate the fact that like everything kind of flows together. Right. And it makes for a better kind of worship experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you have like a, favorite liturgical season when it comes to music uh yeah i think if i really had to pick one i mean i I like so many things about each season but advent i think has a lot of really uh, wonderful music especially the hymns i love some of the hymns that come in at advent and somehow maybe it's just a nostalgia i remember just of being younger and always hearing those advent hymns which a lot of those you know those i feel like haven't changed for so long you know oh come oh come emmanuel and right those um just always puts me in such a, a, a mood of expectation and excitement for you know Christmas coming. Um, so it's it's probably maybe my favorite season would be Advent. Do you have a very very favorite piece of music that you like to play either in Advent or any time for Mass? Um, hmm. Yeah, I think there's a. It's a piece by a English organist named Herbert Howells. It's called a psalm. It doesn't have a very good title. It's just called Psalm Prelude, um, but it's like this. It's like this kind of extremely wrought, emotional kind of piece uh, for the organ. It's very difficult to play because it has a lot of kind of swells and crescendos, and suddenly you'll get this like really low note out of the the pedal. Um, uh, and it's it's really just a masterpiece of of kind of telling a story on the organ. And I usually. I usually do it around Lent because it's kind of a penitential, uh, the psalm it's based on is one of the penitential ones. I can't remember which one right now. Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's a really beautiful piece. I really love it. So we're going to transition to the, it, I pulled up my phone because there's this great quote. We're going to transition to talking mm-hmm. about prayer. But um, there was an agnostic. Noah, my son, is listening to YouTube videos. He wants to learn more about classical music. But I mm-hmm. thought this was interesting. There's an agnostic, Michael Marison, and he said, Bach never allows him to be a comfortable agnostic. And what that made me wonder as we were preparing to talk to you is, does music reveal the divine to you? Is that a time when you experience God? Is it something that you pray with? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what I was going to sort of talk about, uh, you know, anyway. Um, you know, when we think about, if we think about the idea of music in general, uh, it is in some way the 
kind of the most uh, intense expression of anything we have in sound. Um, you know, if we look at the you know great classical masterpieces of you know Bach and Handel, uh, you think about Handel's Messiah, which probably might have you know converted more people than you know who knows uh, you know in the music of Bach, which is truly something of uh, has to I feel come from some divine source as genius as it is, um, and I think even Bach himself realized it. If you look at the the incredible amount of music that he produced, um, even though he you know he didn't live terribly long. It almost seems unimaginable, inhuman, that someone could produce that much music. And Bach always, as we know, finished all of his scores. He wrote at the bottom SDG, which stood for uh, Soli Deo Gloria, for the glory of God alone. Um, so even for him, he saw it as, I think, he was just the pen for this incredible music that was flowing out of him. Um, you know, and To me, it's like I have to hear the divine source of that um, and I think all music, in a way, uh, has that um, has that ability to kind of make us feel like it's coming from somewhere else. Um, even if you look back at the time of the Greeks, um, Pythagoras, he, they they would say that music came from the spheres, you know, up in the up in the up in space somewhere. They thought it was something that was totally almost supernatural. Once they were kind of trying to figure it out, you know. Um, even while they were still studying the science science of music, um, but specifically thinking about prayer, um, you know, we usually go to actually you know singing using our voices, um, and this is the same thing that's true of any anything that's sung. Um, you know, when we have when we speak, it's one level of expression, and if we want to intensify it, we have no other choice but eventually to start singing. Um, and it's something that's really incredible if you see really good, say, Broadway shows. You know, generally there'll be dialogue, and then they'll go into a song. But the really good Broadway actors and actresses, you'll notice, like, when they are getting close to, like, the, the song breaking forth, their voice becomes more and more like singing, and then it's suddenly, like, at some point they can't help it, but in order to, to express what they want to express, they have to start singing. Um, and I kind of feel this way a little bit too about whenever we pray in song that uh you know whatever we say whatever we want to say whatever feeling we want to express um whatever idea it, it it's amplified it's magnified when we choose to sing it rather than just say it and i think this is why in the whole history of the church and the whole even before uh the foundings of the church the psalms um for example these were hymns that were meant to be sung because when we sing these texts, they become more expressive, more meaningful, more memorable, um, more beautiful. Um, and just like any kind of art or uh, architecture that we have in the church, um, our, our duty, our responsibility is to make it as beautiful as possible. And uh, in that way, we have no choice but to, uh, to sing. And so you look at Gregorian chant, which has been around since, uh, you know, millennia, um, and has been sung pretty much the same, same way since, since it was written. And you really have uh, these words coming uh, to life even 1,500 years ago uh, being sung uh, in, the, in the churches and cathedrals. Um, and, 
it's interesting because I had a, I had another quote. I was going to say I liked your quote, um, but uh, I was inspired when I was kind of thinking about this uh, particular um, discussion. Um, one of my favorite organists is uh, uh, and composers. It was a man named Jean Alain, who was a French organist, very talented, um, and he tragically was killed in World War One at the age of twenty nine. But one of his masterpieces of organ music is this wonderful piece called Litanies. It's all another one of my favorite pieces. And he prefaced it with a quote um, that, I, that I really love. When the Christian soul no longer finds new words in its distress for imploring the mercy of God, it repeats incessantly the same prayer with a fervent faith. Reason reaches its limit. Faith alone follows its ascension. Um, and it's an amazing piece on the organ because he takes this one very simple little theme that sounds like a Gregorian chant, and it's just over and over and over. Sometimes it's soft, sometimes it's loud, and uh, he varies it in so many ways. It's really just an incredibly moving piece. Um, and so sometimes, actually what I like to do, and I do this with choirs sometimes, you can just take like a simple little, if we're going to like pray, let's say for the choir, take just a simple little phrase like, I thank you, Lord, and then like, just make a little melody out of it. Um, and then we just kind of repeat it over and over and over again. Maybe kind of swell, get less. And that's literally all we need is just that one phrase. But somehow by multiplying it, by redoubling it and singing it, um, you know, dozens of times, it really makes this incredible moving experience for the choir. They really love it. Um, it's, it's something that's really kind of fun to do. Almost an improvisation, as it were. Do you ever, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'll be in the shower and I will be like singing, (laughs) like singing a prayer. I mean, it is, there is something that stirs in the soul, you know, when you, Mm -hmm. so your private prayer, um, do you sing in the shower at home, Lyndon, or do you, you know, or, or do you sit, do you light a candle, do you read scripture, what, what do you do uh, kind of daily yeah. draws you to God? I don't, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I usually sing to myself. I don't. <laughs> um, uh, you know, sometimes I do, if I do say the, um, uh, unless I maybe do the office and there's a hymn there that I know a tune to, I'll sing that. Um, but it, in reality, you know, like reading through the Psalms, which always are, you know, were originally kind of meant to be sung, um, they have in their own way a kind of musical nature to them, um, the way that they're structured. Um, so I, I love praying the Psalms. I find them to be um, very comforting, and there's such a, a wide range of um, expressions and tensions in there. Um, so usually if I, if, if I choose Scripture, I go to the Psalms. Um, but other than that, in my, in my daily life, it's, it's, I, you know, I probably do what most people do is I just kind of have my conversation, um, uh, and, you know, whether I'm feeling thankful or in need, um, I just kind of, you know, make it up, uh, as much as I can. Um, but I really find it's, it's, it's beautiful sometimes to kind of just even, I'll go into the church and sometimes just play on the organ, not that that's really a prayer, but just to kind of, you know, center my thoughts a little bit, um, and, you know, being obviously, I'm fortunate too that I could go into the empty church whenever I want and choose to pray there, um, which is uh, something that I like to do a lot as well. Has there been a time in your life when it's been difficult to pray? 
Um, yeah, it's like usually every time I would uh, be in uh, production mode for the opera because I would have like 12 hours of rehearsal <laughs> a day. Um, and I would, you know, I would have rehearsal from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And, uh, you know, I would have hardly time to eat and do anything else. Um, and, uh, you know, it's difficult when life gets that busy to find the time. I usually maybe I'd do it in my car sometimes. But um, uh, especially being a... a performing musician it's easy to get you know way too burdened down with too many obligations which is why i think you know the silver lining to the uh the all the changes in uh you know performing arts these last months for me has been i've really actually found time i think to kind of slow down a little bit you know reassess what my priorities are um find more time to pray actually um and to to sort of, you know, allow myself to feel a little lost and feel like I'm looking for guidance, you know, in terms of like, what should I be doing right now? Because I have all this time on my hands. So it's been, it's been good. I think I've gotten some answers from it. So you mentioned that you had worked in other churches, not just Catholic churches. So you grew up Catholic? Yes, yes. Uh, I was confirmed here at St. Mary's. And um, yeah, I, uh, I played in a few other churches, but yeah, I've always grown up in the Catholic Church. And of course, my mother being a church organist, she also played in a Catholic Church. I used to go all the time when she would practice the organ and you know listen to that. And um, yeah, I have a pretty strong background from that. So this is your home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the last question that we'd like to ask everyone who's a guest. I'm sure you've listened to all our podcasts, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're ready for this one. Um, if you could tell or ask everyone in the world to pray for something, what would that be and why? Oh, gosh. You know, I should have thought about this one before you asked. <laughs> <laughs> If I could ask everyone in the world. Everyone in the world. Ever, everyone in the world. To pray one prayer intention. Better liturgical music. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I could ask everyone in the world to pray for one intention. Um. That's that's interesting. I think that I would just say that I would ask everyone to pray for clarity and wisdom to know the will of God. At least that's what I pray for most of the time. Because mm. sometimes it's hard to it's hard to know, you know. Sometimes it's hard to know for clarity and wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. So we also usually ask our guests to lead us in the glory be that's oh, okay. how we end you know it's called glory be absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, should i do it in latin <laughs> just yes, kidding that, <laughs> I think, down. Uh, we're down for that you no do no I'll, I'll, let's do it in english we'll do no it in because english. we don't really join you because the microphones kind of interfere so we'd love to hear it in latin you could sing it too if you want oh <laughs> just kidding can you sing <laughs> it? Uh, i'm trying to think i have to pick a tone but <laughs> Let the spirit move you. Let's see. Okay, well, if I if I mess it up, you can like I can do it again, right? <laughs> okay. okay, let's see. Um, do we say the sign of the cross beforehand too? That'd be great. Okay. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Gloria Patria et Filio et Spiritus Sancto. Sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper. 
in secula seculorum. Amen. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next week.